Hi there and welcome to the first Out of the Fishbowl podcast, or I guess in my case, more accurately, Codcast. I'm your host, Brett Fish, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to chatting with you about different aspects of the way things are and how they might be. And we have chosen one of the most controversial topics to begin with, and I hope that you're going to enjoy this. And so without further much ado about nothing, let's dive into it. this when you know better do better and knowing better is an excellent segue into today's topic of pineapple on pizza and maybe I should start with a bit of a history of pineapple on pizza although if you are somebody that has followed me especially on the Twitterer the moment that you hear me say the words pineapple on pizza there are many images and connections that you'll be making already because I speak about it all the time and One of the weirdest, strangest things about pineapple on pizza, very similar for me with the idea of carrot cake, is that I love pizza. And this is going to surprise some people. I love pineapple. Pineapple in its natural state, juicy, cut fresh from the pineapple tree in the way it was meant to be. And in fact, with most fruits, the moment you start cooking them or frying them or boiling them, something evil and chemically happens and they just become unfit to eat. And so I love pizza. I love pineapple. But the moment you put pineapple onto pizza and it's warmed and the juices are sinking into the pizza, absolutely disgusting. And so that's that's kind of my stance on, on pineapple on pizza. And I want to start with a little story based on the Twitterer. So some of you might know of these things called hashtag games. I used to run them on the Twitterer um, for about three years where you'd have a team of people and every week you would come up with a hashtag and it would basically be the theme of your game. So it might be alternative jobs for superheroes or it might be three things to take to a desert island. And so you would drop the hashtag and anyone else could jump on and play the game and kind of give their answers or their ideas. And the idea would be to be the most funny, to have the most retweeted, to be the most weird or whatever. And just an amazing place, a lot of fun and made a lot of friends in that space. And I'm no longer hosting a game, but I still play along with many of my friends who are running games. Now, what happened on on this hashtag game is that I used to, and I don't know why it happened, because I hate raisins with a passion. And we'll touch on that a little bit later. But for some reason on the Twitterer, in those spaces, pineapple on pizza became my thing. That every game I'd find a way or a space or a meme or a gift to to just remind people that this is an evil, hated thing. And it was, to some extent, it's an absolute joke. Because while I don't enjoy pineapple on pizza, I am not offended by other people that do. And but in that space, it became that was the thing that I was known for. So it's a bit of satire. It's a bit of banter and used to have a lot of fun with people around that topic. But then there was a a woman from Australia, which is completely irrelevant to the story, who was a friend of mine. She was part of my team in the hashtagging community. And for about a year and a half, we knew each other. And I thought we were pretty close. And then at some stage, I was unfriended and blocked. And she kind of left with a message that said that she had felt bullied. 
and this specifically related to the pineapple on pizza thing so every time anybody would would share a tweet that was promoting pineapple on pizza i would jump on and in caps write get out and for those in on the joke it just like i said it was this banter it was this fun thing it was totally harmless but for some reason i'd missed the fact that she had taken it personally and along the line when i look back i must have missed the fact that she had given no or she had said no in a variety of ways and i just hadn't heard it because i guess i thought it was part of the banter and part of the game and and that's something we can look at in a in a future episode not being able to hear a no especially when it comes from a woman is not a good thing and so i somehow missed out on that and lost a friendship and and had this accusation of bullying kind of thrown at me which was really hard and i had to kind of relook at what i was thinking and 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 saying and the way in which i kind of spoke about things and even something that was meant to be a joke meant to be about banter i had to look a little bit close more closely about it and if i look a bit further like the pineapple on pizza thing was really not a serious thing for me but when i look back to when i was a child there there was this thing and i don't know where it came from but but i basically felt this need to convince other people that they had to like my stuff whether it was shows tv shows that i was watching whether it was music or food that i liked there was the sense that i really have to make everybody else like the stuff that i do and i don't know if i ever took it to the conclusion of what happens if not like what happens if people don't like the music that i like but but there was this inherent sense in me that 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 people had to like the things that i liked and i really can't understand where it came from it's a completely irrational thought but but i was quite um quite aggressive i guess in pursuing that thing and i'd get quite upset if if i liked a band and, and somebody didn't like the same band that i did it felt like i'd i'd lost out or i'd failed or i'd missed out and i had to do everything to convince them and and it really is the height of ridiculousness because it doesn't matter in most of those cases if people don't like stuff you like most of the time it really doesn't and it shouldn't matter And so what I want to call the first hashtag moment in this podcast and I want to invite you to to hit pause jump onto the Twitter or onto Facebook if you're there and and make this into into a statement that you share because I think this is something good to reflect on to think about is this the first hashtag moment is don't force or expect people to like your things when they don't matter And so I think this this becomes slightly different when we talking about vaccination when we talking about bigger issues that that do have an impact when we talk about wearing masks and things like that it's not just wear them if you want don't wear them if you want I'm talking about when things don't matter and so usually that's going to be preference when it comes to music or food or clothing or sports teams or whatever don't force or expect people to like your things when they don't matter And so now I'm going to touch on another scary story and this has to do with raisins which as I said raisins used to be the big bad. I've grown up and everyone that knows me for any kind of period of time knows or used to know that I hate or hated raisins with a passion. And to give you a little bit of a background historical story it didn't just come out of nowhere. This is a story I do know where the history is and it's it's quite silly it's quite random but but here it is. When I was young and i think this was this is going to age me because this is kind of pre cell phones for sure maybe even pre tv in my home um once a year my family used to go to this children's home and we used to watch a movie that was projected onto a screen now a lot of you are going to have to go to google and find out what that means but they had this big old projector and the film was on actual kind of film 
and we used to watch a big movie once a year. And so because we didn't have TV and series and phones and all those kind of things, it was quite a big deal. It was our annual big movie watch. And I remember that this year it was Ben-Hur, which I've never seen and am still in therapy for to this day. No, not quite. Um, but we were going to go watch Ben-Hur. And I think I was five years old and I really didn't like raisins. I remember that. I don't know why, but I didn't like raisins. And my mom made us a meal that had raisins in and I was forced to eat it because I grew up in the generation of you will sit there for eight hours until you finish that broccoli or cauliflower or whatever you don't like. And so I was forced to eat this dish with raisins that I didn't like. And I remember throwing up a lot and having to go to bed. And I missed out because everyone else went to go watch the annual movie and I stayed in bed sick and I missed Ben-Hur and I still haven't seen it to this day and so that's kind of where the hatred of, of raisins began in me and it kind of extends to all squishy fruits I've written two songs about it a song called the squishy fruit conspiracy and I forget what the other one was called but just anti-raisin songs oh it was called sultanas it was based on that snow song informer where you can't hear any of the lyrics. Um, and so you could probably go find those online. Um, that's that's how, how crazy this obsession is, that I've literally recorded two songs about it. But another thing that happened as a joke, as a satire, is that I developed a raisin theology. And so I, I grew up in the church. I was a Christian. And, and so I, I was often in places where, where other Christians were discussing theology and stuff. And I created this thing that was a complete joke. And what makes it quite easy is that the word raisin actually has the word sin in the word. And so it's easy to have the story and, and basic understanding of, of the creation story in the Bible is that there was this garden and in the middle of the garden, there was this fruit tree that God, God told people not to eat from. And now if you think about a garden, the only logical tree that can really be in the middle of all of the garden is a grapevine. It stretches all the way across. And so obviously it was a grapevine and grapes were good. God looked down on them, said these are good, eat them. But after a few days, God noticed that the grapes had gone bad. And so they became these things that, that now we call raisins because we're trying to fool people into thinking they're good and eating them. And so God was literally just warning mankind about avoiding food that had gone off. And we know the story that they ate of the fruit of the vine and and the, the actual sin was the thing of disobedience in this raisin theology of mine. And so it was, it was a great fun story I used to tell on camps and it was completely ridiculous. But I used to have Bible verses taken out of context to back it up. The word sin is in the word raisin. And so there was a lot of like it, it became this beautiful story. And I remember back, I was on a conference in, this would be in the 90s somewhere. It was a student conference and I was on a camp and it was a diverse camp and it was probably one of the first kind of um, openly diverse camps that we were having as students. And so there were some, some black students and I remember this occasion that happened in the kitchen where I was do, telling my Raisin Theology to these two young black students. And we have to remember kind of the, the political situation in that time in the 90s where whiteness was seen as, as being in control, whiteness was seen as the, the authority as, as, and all, all that kind of nonsense. And so I was busy telling the story and there was a moment when I looked up in the middle of my raisin theology and I looked at these two guys listening to me and I thought to myself, oh boy, these guys literally are believing what I'm telling them. They think I'm telling them the truth. I'm telling them this ridiculous made-up story about raisins in the Bible and, and they are believing me. 
as an expert in the space. And so at that moment, I, I decided I resolved never, ever again to tell the raisin theology. But, but what is important about that story is, again, it, it, it highlights the danger of presenting satire as truth. If everyone is in on the joke, if we think of The Onion as a website, it has amazing articles that are hilariously funny if you know that they're not true. For other people, an Onion article comes across your desk, you read the headline, most people often don't read the article, and people think it's true, and so they'll send it, or they'll start telling stories at dinner parties of this thing that is true, when it is in fact satire. And so it's so important when, we, when we're telling satire, when we are using sarcasm, when we are, are using private kind of in-house stories and jokes online, when there might be an audience that don't understand them, that don't get them, it can be a dangerous thing. We can really get into trouble. And so we've got to be so careful that when we are using satire, that, that people understand that it's satire. We need to be careful that we, when we're sharing jokes, we're not inadvertently teaching somebody a falsehood that they're going to take and, and pass on. And so I think that's a sig another significant thing to think about in this whole pineapple on, on pizza kind of thing. And then the second hashtag moment that I want to share in this podcast is this, the possibility of celebrating someone else's thing. What is, what is the possibility of celebrating someone else's thing? And the first kind of idea that came to mind with this was Premier League football. Now, I'm not a Premier League football supporter. If I sit down and there's a game on, I will, I'm as loosely connected to Manchester United as possible. So I will support them if they're playing a game with someone else. I don't seek out Premier League football. I kind of keep an eye on the table just to see where they are, where, where they are just as a kind of very unloyal Manchester United supporter. But the thing with Premier League football is that for those who are supporters, it generally is the opposite of this hashtag moment, the possibility of celebrating someone else's thing. Because typically what happens, and this happens with other sports, it happens in music and style and, and various other things, but it happens very strongly and ob obviously with Premier League football, is that we tend to make it personal. And people tend to link identity to preference. And so if you like another team that I don't like, you suck. You are less of a person in some way because you're supporting inverted commas the wrong team and and I just wonder about that as a concept because I think it happens in a lot of places you like rock music if somebody likes country music then they suck they've got no idea what good music is or if somebody says they like Nickelback oh you have no idea your music taste sucks and just how much of the world how much of our, our lived daily kind of experience is spent putting other people's tastes and likes down. And again, remembering this idea that these are things that really don't matter. Does it matter if somebody likes U2 and somebody else likes Pink Floyd? Does it really matter? Does it matter if someone likes mashed potato and somebody else likes tofu? I would have strong feelings on that one. But it really, it really doesn't matter. And so this idea of making somebody feel bad or stupid or less than because they like something that I don't like is absolutely ridiculous. But so much of the world has been created around those ideas. And when I'm kind of thinking, where does this stuff come from? The, the one thing that comes to mind is kind of a school-induced competitiveness. And so when it comes to sports day, you're having your school against another school. And so in the bigger picture, 
there's this narrative that people that go to that school are less than they stupid or they suck at sport or they're ridiculous or whatever it is um, within a school there's the induced competitiveness that you have to be number one you have to be an A student you have to do better than everyone else and so we, we miss or we lose a lot of a lot of the idea that that we could be for the good of everyone we could be concerned with those who are doing a little bit better helping those who are are struggling with stuff to to catch up and to be on the same page instead of rushing ahead and being as far ahead of them as i can be and so i think school induced competitiveness in many cases family induced competitiveness um you're not as good as your brother or i wish you could be as good as music as your sister whatever it is like we see it in some families we see it in a lot of schools and I think this might be more widely linked to kind of capitalism in terms of an economic or political structure and system that we grow up in. And so in that system of capitalism, it's better for me to have more than for everyone to have some. And the community, the world, loses when we have that attitude. It's better for me to have more than for everyone to have some. And so we have the ridiculous disparity between rich and poor where we saw during the pandemic that that the billionaires made so much money while people on the other end of the spectrum were losing jobs and were struggling to find enough food and struggling to survive and and we have a system that says that is okay and i'm sure we'll look at this in greater depth in another episode but but that is the one thing of of how could we do school how could we do education better and change from a system of school-induced competitiveness to a system in which everybody wins, to a system in which we all learn at the speed at which we can learn, or we all learn the things that will be helpful to us. And then another thing that, that I kind of find fits alongside that is, is this origins of social media chaos or vitriol or aggression. And so we see this a lot on social media. And I'm thinking the example that comes to mind for this is, is the American example of Republican versus Democrat. And it might well be that when you are on the Twitterer and especially during election time, that, that what you see, what you read about in terms of Republican and Democrat might just be the extremes talking. Maybe there are a lot of people who exist who are Republican or Democrat and are very fine with having Republican and Democrat friends and it's not a big deal. But when, when it's election time in particular, and even various other times on social media, if you see a Republican commenting, there, there's often the sense that, that from their perspective, if you're a Democrat, then I want you to die. And that is extreme. But, but I see that all the time, especially during elections. It's not, it's not enough that, that you have a different belief, you have a different way of seeing things, you have a different style of government and a different focus and a different perspective or tension but it's like if you are not the thing that i am then you need to die your family needs to die you need to be hurt you are stupid you are less than you are a moron or an idiot or whatever we see it to a lesser extent i think in south africa maybe between the da and the eff so if you if you are da you have to hate and be against and ridicule and mock the eff and if you are eff the same goes for the da and, and I mean, in some of those cases, there, there might be a case for, for looking at a party like the DA and seeing its historical whiteness and, and maybe coming to the conclusion that, that the best thing for it is to disband and to, to create something better with better values in its stead. So there, there might be times when, when actually that is the right conclusion. But I, I think most of the time, 
the world would be a better place if, if a Republican and a Democrat could be friends and and be able to argue and debate on the things that, that differ and maybe have really strong differing opinions on things, but that that doesn't make me love you less. It doesn't make me think of you as less than a human being. It doesn't mean we can't sit and break bread together. We can't be friends. And and literally, I've, I've watched people on social media kind of turn their back on their families and friends and unfollow, unfriend, block, um, excommunicate people because they supported the other party. What if, what if we were in a world where if somebody thought differently from us, we could, we could lean into the possibility of celebrating someone else's thing? And obviously with, obviously with politics, that, that might be a little bit differently or might be a bit different. So, so maybe, maybe we need to focus on this more when it comes to things that don't matter because politics often does matter and choices and decisions and values and aspects of governing affect people's lives. And so there are things that we need to be strongly against. But even in those spaces, can we do it without lessening the personhood of the person that we're engaging with? And especially in in spaces where it doesn't matter. So when we're talking about music and food and clothing and, and sport, can we find ways of celebrating what brings somebody else happiness? Or at the very least, not diminishing their happiness. If their team scores a win, not not ridiculing it, not taking away from the victory, and and maybe even if they score a win against our team, if somebody if somebody wears Crocs and you think Crocs are the worst thing, can we find a way to celebrate that for them? That's something that they enjoy, and that's something that they find comfortable and valuable, and not finding the need to diminish or lessen, because I think when we can start seeking the possibility of celebrating someone else's thing, I think the world is going to be a far better place. And as, as I wrap this up, I, I want to leave us with a call to action. And I think the call to action in this episode is a shift in value, right? This African idea of Ubuntu, Gubuntu, Gabantu, I am a person through people. Or the idea that the needs of the many outweigh the desires of the one. This premise that together is better than against, or together is more powerful than versus. And, and so I really hope that, that as, as you've spent some time with me listening to this, and I want to thank you for that, and I hope that you will subscribe, and I hope that if you enjoyed this, you will share it on social media with your friends. Get more people listening and engaging to these ideas. Let's grow an audience. Let's engage around these things. I'm, I'm hoping that, that you will lean into those things. When you know better, do better. Don't force or expect people to like your things when they don't matter. And the possibility of celebrating someone else's thing. And let me end by saying this. I will fight for your right to eat and enjoy and love and thrive on eating pineapple on pizza. I will fight for it. I will continue on social media to pretend that it's the worst thing in the world. And I will continue to show I Love Lucy pulling up her face at oh pineapple on pizza. And I will continue to be in that joking space. But, but if, if it becomes a serious thing, I will really fight for your right to enjoy the kind of pizza that you want to enjoy while absolutely enjoying my avo bacon and feta pizza. <laughs>